Matthew chapter 9 and verse uh, 9, we're going to pick it up there. We look at the last section. We talked about the forgiveness that comes from God, that God forgives and God heals. And these men who brought this man to Jesus because he, he couldn't bring himself to Jesus. So they, they had intercession, but they had action. They grabbed this guy. They carried him right to Jesus. Jesus, it says, he saw their faith. And he went to this man and he spoke to him. And to hear God speak to us, to hear the Lord Jesus Christ speak to us, is there anything greater in life than that? To have a relationship with him and to know that, that he is speaking to you through his word, by his spirit, and all the ways that he does speak. He spoke directly to this guy and he said what? Your sins are forgiven. That was the number one thing he said to him. He didn't say to him, you know, well, I, I, I empathize with your physical condition, though he did, and he did heal him. But he said, your sins are forgiven. That's the number one need that you and I have, that this world has. Why? Because our sins separate us from God. That's what the Bible teaches. We want to know what the Bible says about life and about sin and, and not what the, you know, the world system says, that there is no such thing. Let's take that word out. But God forgives sin, and he's in the business of forgiving sin if we would just go to him and, and come just as we are. We're going to see today in the, the next section here that he reached out to a guy who you could say was in that category. He ministered to this man who needed healing. He touched him. He forgave him. He healed him. But also, he now goes to this guy named Matthew. Look at verse 9. It says this, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, this guy Matthew is the guy who wrote the book, right? This is the guy who wrote the book here that we're studying, that we're looking at verse by verse, chapter by chapter. He's the writer of this gospel. He's also, as we'll see, an apostle. And so this is kind of like his autobiography. It's only really a few verses that he includes about himself, and, and probably rightly so. He didn't want to you know, toot his own horn, make a big deal about himself. But there's a lot there when you think about this guy. And I think he, as we understand in Luke and Mark, add a little bit more to this picture, that this guy was, he says it there, a tax collector. He was a tax collector. Now, we've all started getting our forms, right? Hopefully we've got them all now for, you know, the end of January, our W-2 forms, uh, uh, you know, 1099, whatever it is that we get or, or from whatever source from banks and everything else. Why? Because the tax collector time is coming along. Now, I don't know about you, but the tax collector isn't my favorite person in the world. And neither was it at that point in time. In fact, they were, they were hated. They were despised. They weren't liked very well by anyone, especially by the Jewish people. Why? Because in that place... The taxes were collected for the Roman government by Jewish agents, and so they were looked at more or less as traitors. You're working for the Roman government, and you're taking taxes from us, your you know, fellow Jewish citizens, so that you can give it to the government. Now, the deal they worked out with the Roman government was that they were required to collect so much, and anything they could get over what they were required to collect was theirs to keep. 
So if they can pat it a little bit, and so they would often do that. They, they were very well off. They were wealthy. They had all the money. They had the power. They had all this stuff that they could have, but they were taking advantage of people, and they hadn't, didn't have a whole lot of prestige. That's for sure. They were not allowed to serve as witnesses or judges. They were expelled from the synagogues. They weren't allowed to go to synagogues. So the question is, and Matthew, again, thinking about this, Matthew's looking back to his story. He says, I was a tax collector. I, I, you know, and, and, and Jesus came in and said to me, follow me. I was, I was out there. I, I really had no kind of good place whatsoever. And Jesus came and said, follow me. You see, this is his story. I, I talked a little bit about it last week, that you and I, we have a story. What is our story? That's what, that's what makes a difference in, in people's lives. The, and I, I quoted from, from Revelation chapter 12, you know, that, that they defeated the enemy by the word of their testimony, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Why would Jesus call him? Perhaps he was thinking... Why would Jesus even talk to him? Could anything good come out of a tax collector? And maybe you, you and I can apply it. I certainly do. Could anything good come out of wherever you're from? I come from a little place called, well, it's kind of a large place called Claremont in the city of San Diego. Can anything good come out of Claremont? I've asked that question for years. But when Jesus does a work, yes, something good can come out of it. Jesus takes something and makes something out of nothing. This guy wasn't just nothing. He was way, way over in the negative column in, in the eyes of the people around him and probably in his own eyes. You know, you can only go so far with taking advantage of people and, and, and how do you sleep at night? You know, the proverbial uh, used car salesman. How do, you, how do you sleep at night when you, you know, you say, I got such the deal for you. And you, you know, jack up the price. You paid, you know, $1,000 for this car from somebody on a trade-in, and you're charging them 5000 for it. What a deal I have for you. How do you sleep at night? But, but we see here that, that the previous section, he says to the man that was carried in, the paralytic, he says, your sins are forgiven. This, we see it here applied, Matthew the forgiveness of sin, the change. If, if Matthew can be saved, if Matthew can be called into service, if Matthew can follow Jesus, anyone can. Paul the Apostle felt the same way. He says it over and over again. If, if, if God could use him, he could use anyone. Because he was, he was like persecuting the church, killing Christians. There's, there's a lot of hope for you and for me looking at this guy, Matthew. Jesus told Matthew, follow me. And what did Matthew do? We saw uh, earlier in chapter 8, right, where, where guys, that, you know, some of them had enthusiasm, but they didn't follow through. We saw some that had excuses. Well, after I do this and let me go first bury my father and let me, you know, first I need to take care of my livestock. First need I do, need to do all these different things before I'll follow you. Matthew had none of that. It doesn't, there wasn't any kind of false enthusiasm. There wasn't any kind of excuses. Matthew just says he got up and followed him. In fact, 
Luke adds that he left everything and followed him. He left everything and followed him. He left all the wealth. He left the power. He had no prestige, but if he did, he would have left that too. Matthew says, you know what? What else could be more important than having a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ? He's going to follow Jesus. And and Jesus is saying the same thing to you and I today. Follow me. I think that, you know, uh, you know, is such an important thing that you and I need to pray when we pray. Say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Show me what that means. What does that mean for me? It's not, we're not all the same. We don't all do the same things. We we follow after Jesus. What does that mean? I'm going to read to you again that quote I read a few weeks ago from, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he says, If we answer the call to discipleship, where will it lead us? What decisions and partings will it demand? And to answer this question, we shall have to go to him, for only he knows the answer. Only Jesus Christ, who bids us follow him, knows the journey's end. But we do know that it will be a road of boundless mercy. And discipleship means joy. There's no greater thing than to follow him, to have this relationship with him, to hear his voice, to communicate with him. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, what? He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. If we want to find true life, we, we, we need to give up our lives and follow after him. And he says, that's when we're going to find what real life's all about. Not doing it our ways. Matthew, Matthew's life, and again, he, he kind of understates it here in these verses about himself. But Matthew's life was radically, radically changed. Now, all of us aren't going to be the same. You know, all of us aren't tax collectors. All of us aren't, you know, doing all these wicked bad things and the the change is not going to be as obvious. We're all different. Maybe we're just kind of simple people. But there's a change that can take place that takes place when when you and I follow and walk with Jesus that begins on the inside and begins to work its way out. It starts on the inside and it works its way out. When we have new life, when we are what the Bible calls born again, when we have a new birth, Something takes place with life beginning inside of us, the Holy Spirit coming within inside of us and and empowering us to live a brand new life, a life that goes on and on and on. I I, I mentioned this, you know, I was born again 33 years ago, but, but I have to remind myself that I am a new creation in Christ. I've been born again by the Spirit of God, by the power of God in my life, and and I can live for Jesus Christ today, even 33 years later. He was radically changed from the inside out. Look at verse 10. It says there, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came. That's in quotation, so I have to add that emphasis. Sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Isn't that interesting? He, it says that he got up, Matthew got up and followed who? Jesus. Jesus. And then where do we find him? Back at Matthew's house. Whoa. No, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, well, okay, well, I'm going to go to your house and check it out and see what's going on there, and, and I'm going to go home with you. 
You're going to follow Jesus. Well, then, then it kind of gets a little personal, doesn't it? It comes back to our houses and, and our homes and our lives. And, and he says, okay. So he followed Jesus right back to his house. And Luke tells us that Matthew then said, okay, uh, um, I'm going to have a, a, a big banquet for Jesus. And, he, and it's, it appears that he let all of his friends know, and they came to the banquet. Isn't that exciting? All these tax collectors and sinners, these were people who would never have been allowed in the synagogue. No opportunity to reach them there, but they've got an opportunity now to reach them. And Jesus is there at Matthew's house with all these different people. And Matthew, who, who has just made this uh, change, made this decision in his heart and life to follow after Jesus, he's now being used by God in the lives of his, I would say friends, but, you know, I don't know if I'll use that term kind of loosely, because, you know, what does that saying go about, um, what's that? Yeah, no, but, but about criminals, you know, friends and criminals and, what's that? <laughs> that wasn't what I'm thinking of, but that's good. <laughs> Anyways, all these people, they came, and Matthew is now saying, look, you guys, i got to tell you something. I've heard it said, too, as well, that when we first come to Christ, you see, we, our, our contacts are, are, are very different than after we've been believers for a long period of time. Because things just kind of gradually change. We're not involved so much with different people that we used to be involved with. So maybe when we first come to Christ, that's like a huge opportunity, like right now, right here. But it doesn't mean that we're never going to reach anybody again uh, of those people. But, but I remember hearing Joe Paskowitz talk about, and he's down in, in Connecticut, um, that you know when he came back to where he came from in Connecticut there, uh, New London area, he said, I came back because I wanted to try to uh, reach my friends with the gospel. I wanted to come back and, and share with my friends about Jesus Christ. And that's what he did. And the Lord used him to plant a church. And the Lord used Matthew here in the lives of these people around him. Someone said this, that Matthew modestly inserts his own testimony about his call to full-time service and his obedience to the authority of the master, a despised tax collector for Rome, seemingly was a very unlikely candidate for the ministry. But Christ, with divine authority, laid his hand upon Matthew and called him into a majestic life of service in the kingdom. He was not a very likely candidate for the ministry. Let me explain to you something about this, though. It's not just about his call to the ministry here. Because I believe that we are all called to follow Jesus Christ, every single one of us. And I also believe that we are all called to serve, every single one of us. We're all, we're all, we're all called to serve, and the word serve means minister, minister means servant. We're all called to that. I think we kind of get this idea that somebody who maybe is in a full-time uh, ministry working for a church or on a mission field or whatever, that they have the higher calling. Well, no, we're all called to serve. In fact, in that particular uh, way of thinking, uh, you know, Jesus, when he talked to his disciples in John chapter 13, what did he ask them to do? 
He asked them to wash the feet. To wash one another. See, he went around and washed feet and he said, you, you do the same thing. He asked them to wash people's feet. The, the call to ministry is a lower. The highest calling is to follow Jesus Christ. And then we, we serve him. We follow him and we serve him. You and I have all been called to serve. And I, and I, and I, I wonder, have we found our calling? Are we fulfilling our calling? Or do we think maybe Matthew could have thought perhaps, you know, I can't really do anything. I, you know, I'm from Cranston or New Bedford or, you know, Richmond or Claremont. What can I ever do? Have we found our calling? Have we, have we stepped out to follow Jesus and in, in serving him and, and willing to find out whatever and wherever that is. And again, there's no, there's no set answers for every one of us. We all have a different calling. Maybe it's to, to, to work in a business and a job and, and help support missionaries. Or maybe it's to go out as a missionary. Maybe it's to, to serve and to, to raise up children and, and, or to teach children. There's so many different ways. Maybe your skill is in carpentry or in electronics or... You know, so many things that I see God raising up people around here to do all these different things that, that I can't do, like drywall, huh? I, I don't even like carrying that stuff. It's heavy. But I, I believe, you know, that God is, I'm just living proof that God can use anyone. God can use you if God can use me. My calling, you know, I, 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 just, I just want to do what God wanted to do. And, and my number one calling is to follow Jesus wherever I am. And, and that's not always easy. And my calling to, to serve the Lord here in this church and in and, 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 and worship and the areas that I believe he's called me to and worship and in the word of God, those, that's what I, I try to focus on. But, you know, I got to do a lot of different things, too. As some of you around here know, I, I, I like to get in there and get dirty and, and get stuff done and stuff like that. And I kind of enjoy that, but sometimes it's a, it can be a distraction as well. But God, you know, when, when we get to the end and, 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 you know, to hear those words where, where, you know, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Not, well, I wish you would have done something servant but well done good and faithful servant he's calling us to serve paul said by the grace of god i am what i am he says he says you know he he didn't deserve he says he was the least of the apostles did not even deserve to be called an apostle but by the grace of god i am what i am i like what he says also in first corinthians one he says think of what you were when you were called, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world to despise things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. What God can do with a person's life is amazing. And what God did with the life of this man, Matthew, is amazing. How many people in the world have heard about who Matthew is? 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I know that, uh, of course, there are many areas in the world where there are actually millions and millions and millions of people who have never heard the name of Jesus, let alone the, na the name of Matthew. And I think perhaps even in our society, things are changing for the, for the negative, for the worse in that. But God did an incredible thing with this man, Matthew. He got up and followed him, and, and he went where he wanted him to go, and God used him in a miraculous way. He can do the same with you. He can do the same with you if, if you're just willing to say, I'm ready. Sign me up. I'm ready to go. Look at verse 11. <clears throat> it says, When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You'd think that they'd be excited, right? That Matthew's like changed. Matthew's got religion. Matthew, you know, something's good going on with this guy, Matthew. You'd think they'd be excited about the Pharisees, these, you know, religious leaders of the Jewish uh, people. But no, it says they were judgmental. They were offended. Why does your teacher? They didn't go to Jesus himself in this particular case. They went and hassled his disciples. And the Pharisees, they kind of thought they were like better than all the rest. God forbid that you and I would ever get to the place where we think because we're followers of Christ that we're better than all the rest. But that's exactly what they were doing. They had this holier-than-thou attitude, which we hear about. How can we, though, they're, they're, they're asking this question, why does, why does your teacher, why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? How can we ever reach the loss if we never talk to the loss, if we never spend any time with lost people. It's not such a bad thing that you have a, a job out in the world. You see, you get, to, you get to talk to people out there. You get to shine your light. You get to be with people. You know, in, in my, in my uh, you know, job here, if you want to call it that, uh, you know, I don't get to see that many people out in the world unless I go to Home Depot, Right? I'm talking to, you know, mostly Christian people. Let's go, I go visit my neighbors or whatever. You know, you and I, we, it's not a bad thing to have contact with, with people who are not believers. Now, we're not called to just jump in there, and if they're all partying, we're going to jump in and party too so that I can reach the lost people, you know. It's not, that's not what he's saying here. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're to be, you know, lights in the darkness. And being careful, you know, what kind of attitude toward, towards people do we have? Do we have the attitude of Matthew and the, Matthew and the attitude of, of Jesus, as we'll see in the next two verses? Or do we have the attitude of these Pharisees where they look around at people and they're these wicked sinners all around? Well, who do you think you were? Yeah, before God got a hold of your life. You see? Look at verse 12. It says, on hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. The Pharisees, they thought they were okay. They thought they were healthy. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He kind of, it's kind of a pointed statement to these guys. You think you're so healthy, but you, you're like messed up. 
And you don't even know it that you're messed up. You know, when was the last time you, you thought you were feeling pretty good? You went down to the doctor and, you know, made an appointment with the doctor and, and went in to see him. He says, well, uh, good to see you or whatever. And you say, well, he says, well, what's, what's the matter? Oh, nothing. I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, oh. Well, why are you here? I don't know. You don't go to the doctor when you're feeling good, right? But if you think you're feeling good and you really aren't and you don't know that you're sick... You don't go to the doctor either. He says that the sick need the doctor, and you and I are all sick in one way or another, and especially if we haven't begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're sick, we're lost. We're separated from God forever, forever and eternity. You've got to know you're sick, and you've got to know that Jesus is the physician that can help and can make a difference. These Pharisees, again, they, were, they thought they were all, you know, they were healthy as can be. But Jesus said, you, you need to go, and this is a real rebuke. If you, if you noticed it here, he says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He, and he quoted to them from, from the Bible, right? Their Bible. And so it's a really a rebuke. He says, why don't you go read your Bible? Why don't you see what the Bible says? He says, you know, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, not just a bunch of sacrifices that you can make and do. He says, mercy and, and true life, spiritual. You see it over and over. David said uh, in Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. He says, go and learn what the Bible says, you, you spiritual, religious people. You think you're so righteous. You think you're okay. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. He says, I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners, people who know they have a need, people who realize that, that he is the great physician and they, that, he can, that, that they can come to him and find the help and the hope, eternal life and the purpose for living People like Matthew, people like you, people like me can come and find those things. I want to look at a few more verses as we prepare for communion this morning to kind of finish this idea that Jesus had this mission. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, first of all. 1 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Look at verse 15. Here's a trustworthy saying, 1 Timothy 1.15, that deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. That's exactly what we're seeing back here in Matthew. Paul said, I'm an example. that If, if God can save me, he can save, save anyone. The worst of sinners, he called himself. That's what Jesus came in the world to do, to save sinners. 
like you and like me. And then let's turn to Luke chapter 19. Back in the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. There was another tax collector named Zacchaeus. It says he was a chief, chief tax collector. He was way up there, and he had a lot of money. But look at verse 3. It says he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must come. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the, to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. He came to seek and save those that are lost, those that, are, that, that know. I remember distinctly in my life, I knew I was lost. I, I, I was lost. I had no direction. I had no hope. I had no future. I was lost. And I knew that I had to find some answers in this life. And some, some folks, some friends of mine brought me to a place where I could hear about Jesus Christ. And my life has been completely turned upside down since then. Can anything good come out of Claremont? Not really. Can anything good come out of Jesus Christ working in a person's life who comes from Claremont? Definitely. Definitely. Can anything good come out of your life? Yes. Through Jesus Christ. One more passage, Luke chapter 18, one, one chapter back. <coughs> Tax collectors seem to be all over the place. Verse 9, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood up and he prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell, you the, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector, he, he knew. The Pharisee didn't, didn't have a clue. Jesus Christ came to save those that are lost. Same 
came to save those like Matthew, like you and like me who realize that we have a need. He calls us to follow Him. He calls us to serve Him. And I think it's got to be one of the most exciting things in all the world to serve Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, my, in my life, I have got to go places and do things that, uh, you know, who would have ever thought that I would have been able to do and go the places that I've been able to just because I, I want to serve Jesus Christ. Where, had I, where would I be now had, not, had I not given my life to Him? God only knows. Could have been dead by now. Who knows? I'm not just saying that too. Just the people I was part of and hanging out with, my family connections, you know. I wish sometimes, I wish that, not often, but I wish that my family were closer so that kind of people around here could kind of see like what God can do with a life. So what I'd like to do is take you all to San Diego with me. We'll go back. We'll kind of look at the old house, the, the neighborhood, the, you know, take you to meet some of my family members. And I pray for them, I do, but there are none of them that are walking with the Lord, none of them following after Jesus. As soon as you buy the tickets. <laughs> Don't forget to buy mine, too. I'm just the guide. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for Matthew, and we thank you that he followed the call. He knew he was not a righteous man. He knew he was a, not a healthy man. He knew he was sick and lost, and he heard the call that you gave into his life to follow, and, and he got up and, and he, he followed you with all of his heart and life. And you used him in a good way, of course, and you... You used him to be an apostle, the, uh, one of the founders of the, the church, to be a writer of this, this book that we have been spending so long in studying, but is so full of truth, the truth of your word. Uh, God, you took a tax collector and you did something incredible, and, and you can take each one of us and do something incredible as we humble ourselves and and call upon your name. Father, I, I thank you for your mercy, that you desire mercy, not sacrifice. You, 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 you want to be merciful to us and save our, our very souls. Fill us with hope and help and life and purpose. God, I pray you do that here, Lord. You would, you would mobilize each one of us, Lord, as, as servants in your army to serve you faithfully and and, and to, to hear those words, God, I pray that each one of us will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. God, I pray for any here this morning or maybe hearing those words, follow me, and, and you know your life is, is not heading anywhere. You're lost and you realize that you need a Savior. I pray, pray for you right now that you would, your heart would be soft and your eyes, your spiritual eyes would be open to hear the calling of Jesus, that he wants you to come to him, that he wants you to believe that he is the Savior of the world, that he gave his life willingly <coughs> for you upon that cross, that he was buried and that he rose from the dead 
conquering death to give you and I eternal life. If that's you this morning, we're, we're going to partake of communion. I want you to simply open your heart and pray and, and, and simply say, Lord Jesus, please come in. I realize I am a lost without you. And, and so I come to the cross this morning here. And what a Super Bowl this will be, knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. All the rest fades away, but knowing you is greater. Father, prepare our hearts even now. Those who've been believers for many, many years, many here more than 33 years, and, and some maybe just a short period of time, maybe some even right here and right now today, Lord, that we would come and celebrate the glory, the majesty, the beauty, the power of that cross, the cross that saves us. that you gave your life for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.